This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And Ramon is present. And uh, Jonathan, land uh, once again, very important yeah. topic, apparently. And it just appears to be a complete and utter fuck-up, but I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> well, as an anarchist, you would love every minute of it. No, but on the one hand, you got expropriation without compensation, and Cyril says without you know destroying the economy and agriculture and all the rest of it. Mm. And then you got Houting ANC giving title deeds to mm. people who live on municipal land or something to that effect, something which the racist capitalists have been asking for for the past 25 years. You know, those racists at the Free Market Foundation and, you know, all those other alt-right institutions. Mm. So, you know, finally the alt-right is, you know, pervading social the social fabric into the political sphere. And who knows what will happen next? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it is certainly up in the air. I saw some commentary that it seems weird that uh, the ratings agencies – have yet to react really to 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 the the land issue but the the reality is is they're not reacting just yet they they have reacted somewhat they've they've said they're keeping an eye on it oh well, yeah they but, said but they haven't stable but yeah, fuck around will fuck you yeah exactly you can change a rating overnight and yeah. frankly the law hasn't changed yet uh, there's a lot of mixed signals being sent and from what i hear in the back channels people like Cyril Ramaphosa and Nklankla Nene are telling heads of banks, don't worry, everything will be fine. So I don't know if that's out of ignorance and they're going to fiddle with Section 25 because they, the government, the ANC is very much one of these uh, people or parties that thinks they can have their cake and eat it, you know. We will fiddle with private property, but at the same time, the economy will be just fine. It, it won't affect it at all. So I don't know if it's out of ignorance or they genuinely won't. Look, I mean, incompetence. as a as a as an election strategy, it's a terrible idea because if they don't fiddle, the EFF is going to just. I mean, the EFF is dead in the water currently. Where are they right now? I mean, it's it's May. Who cares about the EFF right now? I mean, yeah, no one. The, the the ANC has taken their main issue. The ANC is now running land, and um, the EFF really. What are they? I mean, Julius says the racist thing every now and again. Everyone goes, "Oh yeah, it's Julius," uh, and that's about it. Uh, if the ANC doesn't do something on land and exactly what the EFF wants, which I imagine they never would anyway, uh, then the EFF get to go, you see, they're traitorous, just like that Nelson Mandela folk. Um, yeah, but if you look at the, the commentary on social media about the EFF, no one likes this solution. <laughs> no one says, yes, take the land under my house, but not the house itself, and I'll still pay the bond on my house. And the rates and taxes. And the rates and taxes, despite not owning anything around it. So you'll expropriate my pool and my driveway, but not my bedroom, and I'll carry on paying for my bedroom and my lounge, but not for the front gate or the cobblestone path to my water fountain outside. It's ridiculous, and people see through it straight away. So I think that all, all the ANC needs to do, which is what I told the DA originally when they won Joburg, but of course they don't fucking listen, <laughs> Give people, dish out title deeds like fucking piss dispensers. Like water, yeah. Just throw it out there. Whoever catches it, catches it. Give people more rights. Give people more skin in the game. The EFF will become a blip on the political radar very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Ownership. We've always said that. Look, uh, to give the DA a little bit of credit, they have done that, but just not enough. It's piecemeal shit at, yeah. at best. And, and I understand the zoning things and I understand there's issues to it, but... 
Yeah, if I was in government uh, in 2006, the whole of the Western Cape would be private land at the best of times. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, today we have a return guest, uh, someone who might help you understand how better to protect your land should they come for it. Um, <laughs> And uh, certainly someone who can uh, give some insight onto protecting yourself. So, Gideon, welcome back to studio. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Roman. It's great to be back. Thank you for having me at such short notice. Just, just do your bio quickly because okay. I'm, I'm going to cock um, it up anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much the most overrated gun guy in South Africa. I have this, blo- uh, this blog that transformed into a website, went through rebranding. Uh, you can catch that paratus.info. Um, I'm not going to spell it for you because everyone listening to this is relatively intelligent. Uh, I've been writing about gun rights and laws and self-defense and all this sort of stuff since just after Oscar Pistorius did that uh, horrible thing he did. That was 20 – what was that? 20? What, running in the Olympics? <laughs> um, no comment. Um, and then I haven't stopped since then. I've been irritating people uh, from police commissioners to parliamentarians who've actually helped me. Uh, to be honest, I have to give a shout out to Diane Kolobarnard and Zakele Mbele who assisted me with a personal issue with the cops about a week or two ago. So mm. thank you guys. I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even a constituent and they went really above and beyond Zach, for me. Zach so. is a friend of the podcast. He was yeah. on here a few Great guy. Uh, a year ago. So. Libertarian in the DA. It's like a yeah. like, <laughs> someone swear who, word. Someone who believes his job shouldn't exist <laughs> as a politician, which is great. Mm. So yeah, on gun rights. Oh, you know, the problem with, with gun rights in South Africa, there just doesn't seem to be a need or a popular mandate from people. Four guns. No, most it's, people it's, don't it's, seem to care, to yeah, be honest. Which is a bit weird in a, one of the most violent countries in the world. Yeah. Well, either we're smarter than everyone else in the world, and we know that uh, that's <laughs> we know that that's not going to fix the problem. It's the wrong place to start digging. And Parliament actually did – I'm not going to say figure it out. They knew. But about two weeks ago, they released a thing where they said, okay, they're going to do gun control right this time. Which is, in essence, acknowledging everything we've been saying to them for since I can so, remember. Sorry, that comment, we're going to do gun control right this time. Well, I think that was actually said in that way, uh, or in a, at least a similar way. It was alluded uh, to. Um, w- that wasn't a thing to worry about if you're a gun owner or uh, no, a, a, no. You, a prospective gun owner? Because as as we know, right, so the cops lose on average, and we're looking at a per Per 100,000 basis, Mm. they lose about eight times more firearms than civilians do. Mm. And civilian guns are are recovered at a rate up to 15 times greater than police firearms. Because if you steal a civilian's gun, you're not going to waste time filing the the identifying marks off of it usually because you've already stolen the bloody thing. But if you're a cop and you're corrupt and you're selling your guns out of your store to your criminal mates, you're going to try and sanitize that thing as much as humanly possible. So it can't come back to you. Uh, which then means a whole bunch of co- – because as I explained to someone, if the police go out and they recover firearms after an operation, they don't go, oh, okay, let's go out specifically to recover stolen civilian firearms. It's complete lack of the draw and entirely random What's what they're going to get. So the disproportionate rate of recovery between firearms to me makes sense, sense that, okay – We've sanitized the guns. Now we don't know where these things come from. Is this state issue? Is this not? Look, there's um, also a point to make with regards yeah. to what criminals want to use as their fire as their firearm. So, you know, if you're a cash and transit uh, heist specialist, uh, <laughs> then you you're not looking to take uh, 
the average civilian's nine millimeter off them because that's not that useful. You you might want one of those, but that's not as useful as having an R4, for example, no, or an or an AK, or an AK. So uh, you, you, you know, the, the average civilian doesn't have one of those weapons. Exactly. So what now comes to play with what Parliament has decided to do, or the Portfolio Committee on Policing, chaired by Francois Bierkman, is they came and said, okay, we've got a five-point plan how we're going to address. Uh, this is kind of in response to the CIT heist thing going on at the moment, if, if we can call it a pandemic. I don't know. What's the catchphrase these days? Epidemic, pandemic. Probably an epi- epidemic. But uh, is it is it really? I mean, we've had a couple. We, uh, we At one point, we were hitting like 40 a month, I think, a few years back. Yeah, and, and then they the security got a bit better. There were a whole bunch of uh, methods that the cash and transit companies used to try and deter uh, cash and transit heists. Um, because there was a very specific method that was being used by the criminals. Uh, the, usually they would take a nice expensive German vehicle, uh, E-Class or 5 Series BMW, and they would ha- basically have a purposeful head-on collision with, <laughs> with the cash and transit vehicle, and that would disable it, and, and then they would um, and disable the people inside to some extent. And then they would um, be in other vehicles, and they would then uh, attack. Uh, that modus operandi has changed, uh, but now they seem to have just – Expanded, So yeah. as you go more firepower, so the other side gets more firepower. Yeah. And it, to be honest, it's, it's a relatively recent resurgence. So the parliament's mm. response, I mean, you're not going to draft a five-point plan in response to a thing that's, that's just become an issue like a week ago. Mm. Yeah. So it was obviously just released with the comment as part of the whole gig. But in essence, what it comes down to is they recognize that the state and the security forces are woeful custodians of their own guns. So they're addressing that aspect as part of auditing the SANDF and the, and the SAPS and hopefully kind of meaningfully figuring out where the problem is. I mean, it, it won't take experts to, to determine that. How to plug it, though, that's a different kettle of fish. They have admitted that the cross-border flow is a problem, and there's a metric ton of uh, AK-type firearms and ammunition and stuff still coming in from our neighbors, which – Either, you know, are, re- are recently sort of conflict zones. And, I mean, if you think about South Sudan, it's not all that far. Arms trafficking from there, if there's a market, the black market always finds a way. Uh, so that's another point they're addressing. They're actually appearing to address corruption within the CFR itself, where corrupt guys went and gave gangsters licenses fraudulently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an- there another two aspects that tie into getting actually control of the state side and nothing in this five point plan actually said, hang on, we need to control civilian guns more strictly because we've been doing it since 2004. Mm. It's been an absolute disaster. It hasn't had the desired effect. So what's the point of carrying on doing the same thing over and over and not getting the results? So I'm actually quite happy about this. This is something I can get behind if it gets pulled off correctly. I mean, I mean that's that's the key. If it can be pulled off, so if and oh. correctly, two things that government's state, not good at. Yeah, <laughs> if and correctly, never good yeah. at. And this is and this is completely a problem that they created and they are trying to solve. So many people say. Off topic, Sarah Ramaphosa is cleaning up SOEs. No, motherfucker, those cunts created in the first place, and now the latest leader is cleaning up what the previous guy did. But it's not a revelation. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, to clean up shit that you fucked up in the first place. Well, exactly. In this regard, let's hope that's the case. Just perhaps – okay, so we've got Parliament moving to fix some problems on the police side. Yes. Uh, 
So first question in regards to that is, what happens to police currently? Do they firstly do you do you own your weapon? So you lieutenant whoever is it your weapon or do you collect it from a store? And what happens if you lose your weapon? What happens to you? Do you lose your job? You get sanctioned. Well, this is a good question, Jonathan, because I'm not actually 100% sure what yeah. the internal processes are, but mm. it is supposed to be quite a big deal. You are, as a police officer, losing your service weapon. You're supposed to be treated the exact same way as a civilian negligently losing. Okay, so and what happens to a civilian? Well, you get, apart from being Section 102, which means you're declared unfit to possess. Uh, you, there's also criminal charges that can be laid against you, and at worst, you might be looking at jail time, depending upon how gross and criminally negligent you were. So right. it's treated very seriously for for civilians. Um, it does not appear to be treated all that seriously on the police side. Yeah, so there's a big let, disparity. Let's talk about civilians because I, I, you know, I like to advocate for people arming themselves. Um, I think it's a good idea, responsibly. Um, so I don't want to scare anyone off because now they feel they're going to have criminal conviction against them if they if they get a firearm and it's somehow taken off them. So assuming you follow all the rules, you keep it in a safe when you're meant to or it's always on your person, uh, assuming if something happens, you do everything correctly, but ultimately somehow your weapon is either taken off you or stolen from you, um, what, what sort of risks do you face? Obviously, Section 102 could happen to you yeah. and criminally. Well, look, if you uh, if it gets stolen from your person or out of your safe, um, you followed all the prescripts of the act. There's no way that yeah. you could be So it's, it's negligence. I left it on my bedside table and went to the shops, and someone came through the window and picked it up off the bedside yeah. table. That, then you would be in trouble. Yeah. But you, or if you leave it in a public bathroom, as, <laughs> as, as some members of the South African Police Service tend to do. Yeah. Uh, stuff I've, seen, like, I've seen those photos. Yeah, so don't leave your gun in your car. Don't leave mm. it in the bathroom. Uh, it's funny that, that we have to tell people this. And don't leave it in your toddler's school bag, please. No, no don't do that. Mm. That's bad. Very okay. Nice. So what I find, uh, you know, and what Ramon alludes to, what I find interesting is in a country like South Africa, there isn't much, well, I don't know what the statistics are. Maybe you can shed some light on this. But it doesn't seem to be much uptake of people arming themselves. But yet um, you'll have someone like Yusuf Abramji tweeting these videos daily of CCTV footage of people. The latest one I saw was some people um, breaking into a house, doing a, ho a home invasion at night in Durban. Uh, car pulls up. They fiddle the gate a little bit. Dog comes and licks them and, and, and asks for a bit of a treat and a pet. And then they, they go in, they kick the door down, and, and in they go, three, four guys. Um, so the, the thing I don't understand is, is how many of these videos do people need to see? How much evidence do people need to see before they understand that the police aren't coming to save you? Um, that even if we had a really competent police service, even if you have a great security company, it's too late by the time you're pushing that panic button. That's a good question. I'm, I'm sounding now like that guy Gareth was talking about buying time by. <laughs> <laughs> we don't actually know how many gun owners there are in South Africa because I don't think the Central Farms Registry has the capacity to tell us. There were quite a few took a big dip after 2004 when the new law became act and it's been steadily increasing ever since. So we might be at about two and a half to three million at this point. But from what we see from gun owners of South Africa side with new memberships and people asking questions, there's a definite upsurge in South African citizens 
going through the process and arming yeah. themselves. It seems to make sense, right? You've got a criminal society. People realize that the only way to protect yourself and your family truly is to do it yourself. Is that, uh, That's is that the kind of what you see? I, I keep telling people that you are always your own first responder or rather the first responder to your personal crime scene. Nobody else is going to get there before you because guess what? You're already there. And it's great to talk about Police response times, 18 minutes, 21 minutes, whatever the latest performance review says. The best places in the world are four to six minutes. That's it. And I do not want to be locked in a small room with a murderous sociopath with either a, a blade or him having a gun or something and having being at that person's mercy for four minutes because the amount of misery that you will be forced to endure if you survive it is just incomprehensible. And... The response time of the average 9mm handgun is roughly 1,300 feet per second, which is considerably faster than the average police car and definitely faster than the ambulance or mortuary wagon coming for you. So, Yeah, true. But, but we have to acknowledge the fact that getting a, a pistol for self-defense is not a nightmare, but – it's it's an excessively complicated process. I mean, you helped me through mine. Thank, thank God for that, Hideo. But it took me almost a year. Yeah. I bought my gun in May. I got it in April next year. And even in a sort of if everything works out well, it's still going to take you six months. Yeah. I, I, I've struggled to foresee it being shorter than six, having all the boxes that you need to tick. If it all works well, if six months. Well, yeah, right. easily. All right. So let's go to the criticisms then because you've got to, you're going to have listeners who are going – uh, well, of course, of course it takes that long to get a gun. Look at places like America where you can just walk into a candy store and buy a gun. You know, it's like I'll have some of those gummy sweets and I'll have a nine millimeter pistol. Um, you know, I listened recently, uh, by force, unfortunately, to, to a 702. At gunpoint. It wasn't at gunpoint, but it was someone else's car and I couldn't change the channel. Uh, and it happened to be on a day where there had been a shooting in the United States and, uh, the, host of the show decided to start mouthing off about guns in America. And then the people who phoned in just joined in and all of it was incorrect information. All of it was, was, was false. So for example, you can, there's no background checks at all in America, which is untrue. Every commercial sale of a, of a weapon uh, leads to a background check. If I, as your friend give you a gun, then that's different. That doesn't result in a background check. Um, the, you know that any you can get guns of any kind and any sort, and there's military style weapons, and the AR-15 is a is a military weapon, which it's not. Um, all these kinds of misinformation issues. Um, so let's go through some some of these some of these myths um, around around firearms. I mean, South Africa is very very strict um, with with all of these things, and it's tough to get a weapon. Why should it take? A month, maybe. Why should it take two weeks? Why shouldn't it take six months or a year? This is the funny thing. Whenever I ask the qu people the question about, okay, waiting periods, why must it be? Why do you think it should be X amount of time? They come up with the most arbitrary, unscientific bullshit that I've ever heard in my life. Because there is no real reason. The only reason it takes as long as it does in South Africa is because we are administratively as horrendously inefficient as we are. If you go through an American NICS, that's a National Instant Criminal Background Check System, possibly the most sophisticated criminal background check system in the world. It's completely digital, goes off your social security number, 
It has photo ID. It's mm. it's sophisticated. If you come up on that thing as having a clean bill of health and you get the green light to be able to purchase a firearm legally, it's highly unlikely that if you make the guy wait three weeks, he is suddenly going to be an entirely different human being. So he's either okay now or he's not okay now. And if he's not okay now, then – and he's already committed previous felonies. And this is the other thing. You will be prohibited from buying – a firearm in the U.S. if you have any previous convictions above a certain level. Now, I don't, I'm not 100% sure how their felonies and misdemeanors work, but if you have been locked up for something, you're pretty much out. And in some states, if you've used medicinal marijuana, you even have mm. your weed card, you will be prevented then from also exercising your Second Amendment rights yeah, based on that. There's a whole lot of, uh, whole lot of restrictions. There's to, a metric ton of restrictions in the U.S. There are hazards of... Even if you've got a concealed carry permit, this is the other thing people yeah. don't understand. If you want to legally carry a gun in the U.S. Mm-hmm. as a concealed – on a concealed carry permit. So, so if you – so hold on. The average person who carries a weapon in the U.S. may not conceal. No. Right. And in South Africa? If you have the license, you must conceal. Yeah. So we've got the reverse. It's yes. very interesting. No, we've got the um, complete and, – And America uh, – uh, uh, do you understand why they're so st- – they're so iffy about this concealed carry. So in America, if you have a weapon, you basically have to wear it on yourself, and it has to be relatively visible. You can't like hide it like a no, you because know. you will be charged with. Uh, it's a, it's an offense criminally. Yes, it's unless, so weird. Unless yeah, and, and in South Africa, you actually are not meant to show. So you can't walk around with your gun on your hip showing your gun. You actually need to hide it. So it's a it's a complete reverse. What what's the issue with and and then. You can get a concealed carry permit yes. in the U.S., which then allows you to hide your weapon, but yes. only in certain states. Yes. Well, most states have have we call shall issue and may issue, and, and, and there's different grades of how, how it works. Uh, in California, depending upon where you live, you might find it prohibitively impossible to get a concealed carry permit. Mm. In other parts of California, you might actually succeed. succeed. New Jersey is just terrible. Yeah. Like if you if you want to own a gun, do not live in New Jersey because mental the, mood. You know, they have actually arrested people that legally own and carry guns on concealed carry permits, just ducking across the state line, finding a gun on the person, they charge them criminally for stupid reasons. So if you want a concealed carry permit, you have to there's usually a prescribed program you go through in your individual state. You have to attend classes, lectures, write exams, demonstrate Proficiency with I don't understand why does hiding your gun on your person need such complicated things. What, what what's their logic? I think their logic is if everyone can see you're carrying a gun. Yes, and it, 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 this is I think a lot of mental gymnastics. If everyone can see you're carrying a gun, they're aware of you being armed, and if you cause problems, you will then be dealt with. Whereas carrying a concealed weapon without the permit. You can be more nefarious. Might or imply yes, which also doesn't make sense to me. But well, I think it's just a way to to nail uh, you know, people that don't like. So if you if they assume that you are gonna if you're a gangster if you're black and yeah, you're gangster, gangster like style clothing as they call it and they you know search you on the street and say, oh there's a weapon here and you don't have a concealed carry permit off you go to the to to prison or whatever that is. That's, it. that's I think that's why it sounds exactly how it developed. Probably yeah. through gangs. You know, gangsters will hard put just, their gun in their pants, or so just you can't bla- see it. Or just blatant racism as well. Well, if you look at gun, the history of gun control <coughs> in the U.S., mm. uh, especially in the southern states, which were Democrat-run at that point in time, yep. 
they worked incredibly hard to prevent former slaves and and black free citizens yeah. now from legally owning In guns. In fact, it went to the constitutional court. Yes. Well, the Supreme Court. It went. There was a ruling. Um, which basically found they were trying to stop slaves or previous slaves from having weapons. Why were they worried that they'll take revenge? Well, no, they actually just worried that they were going to defend themselves against the lynch mobs that were going to string them up on the tree and set them on fire. Because let's be honest, uh, that, that's just the way it most goes. You see, yeah. back then, so yeah. they wanted to was, they it, wanted to make sure the status. But grow. there was one organization that helped out black gun owners. I can't remember its name. Like it's quite famous yeah, now. I think it could, it could be three letters. Could be NRA. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> that, that that horribly racist organization. Yeah, they're the ones that helped uh, black citizens of the southern states have gun rights, equal well, gun rights. That's one hundred percent correct. Now, sort of segueing off that point, mm. if we now people love making cross country comparisons between the United States and other Western nations about how much of a violent, horrendous, out of control shithole it is, and it's just guns and murder and the interesting thing about it is the U.S. has always had more murder than Britain, Western Europe, and Australia. Even if you go back to the early 1900s, when in Britain you could own guns, legally carry them, have the exact same lack of restrictions, for want of a better word, as in the U.S., Britain was still less violent, the mm. United Kingdom, than the, than the U.S. Uh, the same thing goes with their road. Their, their traffic deaths have always been Higher at a higher rate than other European countries. Just more people die in the U.S. They just yeah. live a different lifestyle. They do things differently. It's a different culture. It's a different culture. It's it's stupid to try and compare. And I love it when South Africans get on our high horse and we and we go like, oh, the gun problem. The U.S. has seven times. We, we've got seven times more murder than they do per uh, capita. Per capita. Yeah. In absolute numbers, still fewer people are murdered in the U.S., a nation of 330 million, than are murdered in SA annually, and we're like, what now, 60-odd million? Yeah, 55, somewhere around there. But the biggest murderers in the U.S. are doctors. 1.2 million deaths are called by medical malpractice. That's actually an incorrect statistic. 11,000 deaths by guns, and 60% of those were suicides, so it doesn't really count. Statistic is, is off, but, but anyway, I'll let you, I'll let you run with it. <laughs> so um, ban doctors is what I'm saying. <laughs> Do we actually need doctors? We all three have skin in this game, Roman. We, if we ban doctors, are we going to retire? Yeah, well, <laughs> listen, so, um, but Roman's point is taken in that, in that there are many things that, that kill us. Yeah, being um, fat kills you more than being shot. I'd rather be shot than being fat, if I'm honest. Um, but I mean, diabetes, medical issues kill hundreds of thousands of Americans every year. No one says fucking ban adipose tissue. Well, well it's because well, they are trying to ban sugar and everything, but that's the whole point, right? Is is it all comes down to freedoms at the end of the day? Um, uh, and legal people owning firearms for example if you want to be fat then that's fine you must just take on the responsibility of the consequences of that um the gun, a gun is the same thing if you want a gun to protect yourself then you must be responsible with your firearm uh, and legal people should be able to 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 have those sure, firearms but the responsibility for a gun is less responsible is less responsibility than having a child and we don't care if people have those yeah no i got both and yeah child's much more difficult <laughs> The gun doesn't shout back or have tantrums. Well, can, on that, can we talk about school shootings for a minute? Yeah, because that's sure, actually that's what every that's what everyone wants to hear, isn't it? 
Well, I, I don't know if they, <laughs> they want to hear it, but sure, we can talk about school, school shootings, which are, uh, despite what CNN tells you, at their lowest uh, in history in the United States. Uh, that's not to justify school shootings. It's just to say that they're on a downward trend. Uh, they're not actually increasing. And there are statistical outliers. And I think if you looked at um, the amount of people that died at the uh, Majori Stoneman shooting. Yeah, Majori right? Stoneman Douglas, yeah. If you wanted, let's say we'd be really upset if that was 1% of the total amount of homicides in the U.S. resulted from mass fatality like shootings, 15 kids dead in a school shooting. For that to be a reality, you need one of those shootings every month of the year for it to get up to 1%. So it's pretty statistically insignificant it's very emotional mm. i get that I, you, you know i think the the big problem with with these school shootings now is it's all politicized so you know within two days i think it was two three days of of that shooting actually happening you have these students who became gun activists um smiling and and going on late night tv shows you know and their friends are l- literally not even buried some of them um and they're like doing the circuit uh, you have yeah, and then other students who are not against the Second Amendment don't go into the circuits. Yeah, Carl, Carl Cashew, whatever. And whatever. Look, I mean, he got some coverage on the right, and uh, so I don't think it's completely unfair. But it, it's a completely it becomes a completely politicized issue. I mean, uh, David Hogg, which is who's the, probably the most well known, and then there's that Gomez chick. The, the two, the, the Gomez chick who admitted to ostracizing the kid who. Yeah, so yes, she, she admitted yes. to basically bullying the child who ended up coming she back. She should be and, in prison for murder of 17 people. <laughs> so, I mean, look, the, 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 the problem is, is it becomes very politicized and now it's, um, now it's an issue of, well, the one side is anti-gun and the other side is pro-gun. In fact, the, the reality is on the ground in America, there's one statistic that gets thrown around incorrectly, which is that most people are for gun control. There's a statistic that was released that 80% or something are for gun control. But when you go into the details of what they mean by that, uh, they mean the things that are already in place. They mean things like yeah. checking a, a national criminal background uh, record check and, and making sure that severely mentally ill people don't have uh, access to weapons. But other than that, most people are actually quite pro being able to protect themselves. I, I, I try to describe it to someone that without without countries, without constitutions back 5,000 years ago when we were still living in caves or or, or when we were Neanderthals. My or, people were living we, in castles. I mean, back we, then. we were never Neanderthals, but, but, but when we, when we were living with the Neanderthals, the reality is that self-defense is a completely innate, um, uh, part of being a human. It's an innate part of being most creatures. So most creatures defend themselves. Humans are able to use tools and therefore we will often use tools to defend ourselves. But you can't take that right away from people. No, you can't. Um, I'll, tell you about Venezuela in a little bit because they banned civilian foreign ownership and totality in 2012 and I don't think I need to talk about where they are today but regarding the US itself the left is obsessed with an assault weapons ban that's something that Clinton got in in the early 90s supported by Reagan funnily enough then Columbine happened during an assault weapons ban by the way because it only expired in I think 2001 or 2002 they have been pushing after every 
sort of mass casualty event in the U.S., whether or not an AR-15 was involved or not, doesn't doesn't matter to them. They really desperately want this thing back for a reason I can't quite fathom. And since 1996, there have been 18 so-called school shootings in the United States, which involve more than two people dying. Uh, of those 18 school shootings, sorry, it was 16. Of those eight were classified as mass shootings, which means more than four casualties, according four dead people, excluding the perpetrator, according to the definition. So since over a period of 22 years, hmm. there have been eight mass shootings in the entire United States at schools. CNN told us the other day in 2018 there were how many? Yeah, I've seen there were 18 just this year. 18 just this year. Yeah. And one of them was a BB gun shooting at a school bus. Window. There was another one where a, a, a school teacher drove into the parking lot at 5 a.m. in the morning. Pulled out his own gun and shot himself in the head. They, they classified that as a school shooting. And I'm not getting these statistics from like right wing websites or from Breitbart or whatever. This is, the CDC. this is CDC stuff. This is uh, Northwestern FBR. Edu. Uh, even New York Mag, which is nymag.com, about more left than the New York Times ran a thing on school shootings not being an epidemic. So when even some of the most left-wing publications in the U.S. are beginning to go, hey, guys, um, maybe we should chill on this narrative because uh, it's wrong, people need to start going, hey, you know, maybe we've been lied to, maybe we don't have the right info and adapt or adjust their opinions. But we don't do that. Yeah, what's, the, what's your take on why people are so terrified of long weapons? Ignorance. Because surely. it looks scary. I'll, I'll do a demo, I'll do an experiment. Okay. Let's say you get a Ruger Mini 14. Okay. It's, uh, you don't know what it looks like. I'll send you a picture. No, no, I know what it looks <laughs> okay, like. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, it's, good, it's, good work. So it's got, it's got a nice wooden stock. It, it, it curves. It has these elegant lines. It looks like a baby hunting rifle. It looks, for want of a better word, cute and semi harmless. It's still sort of a tool. It's dangerous if you do not treat it with respect, but it doesn't sort of, it, people are more familiar with its lines, therefore they probably see it as less harmless. Yeah, it looks like a dashboard on a Bentley. Exactly. So it's a semi automatic carbine. Now you get the AR 15, which is exactly the same. It's a semi automatic carbine. The design dates from 1958, which is ironically the same sort of time frame as the Mini 14. It just looks aesthetically different. It looks shootier, in the words of Dana Lash, when, in the book, book that she wrote, Hands Off My Gun. Quite a cool read, by the way. So it looks shootier. It's got the shoulder thing that goes up, as one stupid senator referred to the, the shoulder stock that moves in and out. It's more adjustable. Oh, and it's black. Okay. So it looks more sinister. And people have gravitated towards this because, you know, it's now an assault weapon, which it isn't. But I don't know. So, okay. Well, yeah. I got just, just two questions. Um, the assault weapons ban. Why do they define assault weapons? And secondly, if we had to assume we didn't want any more school shootings. Uh, and we assume that the people who committed them are these bullied white guys with no fathers. What would be the solution? What would you be your solution rather to that? Donald Trump says he wants to arm teachers. Or I don't, you know, t I don't trust arming public servants in any way, <laughs> let alone teachers. But uh, so yeah, so those two. Well, how would you? Okay, so um, sorry. The first question: was, uh, What is the definition of assault? An assault assault weapon from the assault weapons ban. If you actually pull up the actual definition of it, is purely cosmetic. So it it refers to how the rifle looks 
whether it's got a flash hider on it, whether it's got a pistol grip on, on the stock. Uh, it, it actually refers nothing whatsoever to the caliber of the, the, the weapon shoots. Uh, what? Not uh, even the action. Like not, not even the action. Right? I mean, there's a difference between bolt action and self-loading, yeah. right? You're self-loading, you shoot five shots in two seconds. Oh. Bolt action is two shots in ten seconds. Okay, so the official definition of an assault rifle is a rifle that shoots an intermediate cartridge and has a select fire capability, meaning either burst or full automatic. Okay. Okay, so that M16s, AK-47s. Uh, FNFAL is not an ass- uh, assault rifle. It's actually a battle rifle because it doesn't okay, shoot. I need to a- stop you there because you're using a lot of terminology, yeah. which I understand, but which the okay. audience may not. Okay. So the select fire thing I think is very important because often uh, – firstly, AR in the AR-15 doesn't stand for assault rifle. No. Okay? It stands for Armalite, um, which is the company that manufactures it. But, But – the the select fire thing. So I think that's an important thing to understand. There, no civilian may own a select fire weapon. Certainly not in South Africa, as far as I understand. Category three collectors may, but those are how many of those are there? Probably uh, in the country, uh, a handful. A handful are okay. And in the United States, in some states, you can own fully automatic weapons, but and this is a big but. Machine mm. guns have been Effectively banned from civilian gun ownership or civilian ownership from about 1988. Uh, I, I might get the year wrong slightly, but mm. now here's how it works. So if you've got a machine gun, I'm saying mm. this in inverted commas, dating from prior to 1988, you're allowed to own the thing, but it must be registered. Uh, it goes on a database. It's a whole big story. It's in essence a highly restricted item that you're owning. But if you want to go out today and buy a weapon that's got a select fire switch, in other words, allows you to go to automatic. No. It's not possible. No. Right. So so that's the first thing to understand. So the similarity between something like an AR-15 and an M-16 is they're not very similar in that respect. No. The other thing that gets thrown up quite a bit is – sorry, Ramon, were your questions answered? Uh, Yeah, to some degree. So does like fully automatic – well – Assault weapon basically is a fully automatic one. Well, well, well no, the, the, the option, the, but the, but you said it was more. The cosmetic. assault rifle is fully automatic. The yeah. assault weapon is is purely cosmetic restrictions. Okay, so of course it wouldn't work because. Oh, and magazine capacity is another thing that comes in there, and how the Yanks get around that now in a state like California, is they have this device, so they, f- to get around the definition of of assault weapon in California, you, the magazine is not allowed to be detachable. If it detaches from the rifle, you have to comply with all the restrictions of the assault weapons ban, meaning the stock is not allowed to be a certain shape and you're not allowed to put certain things on the rifle. It's, it's, it's a whole nonsense of nonsense. However, if the magazine is fixed into the gun mm. and you cannot load it without taking it apart, then it can have any cosmetic features you want. So now there are these guys that designed this device that's basically With like chains, a stripper basically, cri- yeah. clip that you plug into <laughs> the actual chamber once you finish shooting it and you just push it down like with a your gatling thumb. gun yes and you load the magazine <laughs> through the action when yeah. you're done shooting it and it's completely legal because and then you can have even more rounds that way yes yeah so where there's a will there's a way in the u.s yeah um, thankfully so so well, my other question was yeah. if we had to protect school children at schools is there a meaningful way to do that well, yeah, uh, the authorities can start doing their job, for one. Yeah, that, would be, that would be great. Like the parkland shooting the guy waited outside for five minutes. 
Well, not the even resource that. Officer. I mean, the, the, there have been, since 2008, there were 45 calls to law enforcement about this guy and his behavior. He had made numerous sort of statements of that he's planning on shooting a school up, that he had certain uh, desires. These are all reported. The FBI knew about him. Mm. They did nothing. They, they, they had all the tipples. And you want to know why they did nothing? Because politically, so the, this is a Democrat-Republican issue, but politically it doesn't look good when you arrest lots of kids. Yes. Um, and so they've been driving for a long time to not arrest children. So they put them into all kinds of programs, and uh, these programs leave the kids alone, but they kind of have to go speak to someone every now and again or stuff like that. Um, and, and so it, it keeps your statistics on arrests of underage people down. Which is a good thing. Uh, and a lot of these, what you wouldn't know perhaps is that a lot of the positions for policing, for example, in the United States are actually political positions. Um, so they're not just, yes, it may be a policeman, but they're actually running some sort of political campaign. Uh, and so there's, there's a lot of bad politics that sort of seeps into what should just be policing. Absolutely. That is, uh, that was also clear from the response from the uh, sheriff, county sheriff after the event, how politicized that was. But to move on to the other things, apart from law enforcement doing their jobs mm. in the U.S., uh, arming teachers, I'd say make that a voluntary program like the federal sure. flight tech officers thing after 9-11. It was a federal program. In essence, the the pilots who participated in it became sort of deputized law enforcement officers. They went through really thorough training. Everyone, when this was announced, lost their marbles about it. They're like, pilots are going to be shooting people in terminal buildings. The most hysteric <laughs> nonsense, the same stuff that we're hearing now about it's a cool movie, teachers. actually. <laughs> you know, it was – and even on the Wikipedia page, they're like, there have been no major incidents uh, despite – what the detractors So is it still said. going on? We still have pilots who are armed? It's in the still US? going on. Uh, the Obama administration cut the funding to the program a lot, so a lot, mean, a lot fewer pilots went through it, but it's still carrying on. And once you've got the badge and you are a federal flight tech officer, you can carry on duty as. As yeah. you would. It would be a fun story if a pilot just goes on and goes postal. I, 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 it's like, my fucking beef <laughs> is dry for the fifth time this week. That's it. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm hijacking the plane. to go postal. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, there's just too much going on in the cockpit. Um, so the, the, the thing I think about this, I want to get to the other misconception about the weapon just now, but the thing that I'm hearing is that gun-free zones are stupid. So th this is the other big argument is, is, uh, if you are a gun control person, then what you'll say is, look, um, you, you've got to have, got to take people's guns away. That would be the one thing. Although some people say, we don't want to take your guns away. Um, but ultimately everything they advocate for ultimately leads to that. Uh, but they, they, they're going to take your guns away. And the other thing is we must have gun free zones. I always laugh, uh, when I walk into hospitals. And I see a sign on the wall that says, this is a gun-free zone. And I think to myself, and then, um, how does a sign stop me from walking in here with a gun? And it, no, it, but it, the security guard with a baton and a walkie-talkie will stop you. Don't you know that? <laughs> the one that's sleeping on a plane. But in South Africa, even, even more so, the security guard, if, I, if it's me and I'm walking in with a gun, my gun's concealed. So the security guard won't even know I'm carrying and uh, I'll walk in and I'll have a gun then in the supposed gun-free zone. The school, schools in the U.S. are equally the same. They are gun-free zones. And unfortunately, gun-free zones don't stop people from coming in. And I know that 
it's, it's, people don't seem to make these connections, but there are many examples, uh, not of school shootings, but of terrorist attacks, uh, and criminal activities where, um, they've gone to one particular site. So the, the, the terrorists have gone to one particular site, noticed that there were guards there, which they were, uh, in the incidents I'm thinking of, um, this is in regard to actually synagogues in, in, in Europe. So they went to the synagogues and they noticed some guy walking up and down outside. They didn't know whether he was armed or not. And they ended up going somewhere else. They moved on because the risk of someone being armed was too great. And they moved on to somewhere where they, they knew there was no one who, who was armed. There's lots of examples of this happening. Um, if you look at some of the planning that went into that attack in um, uh, Kenya. Yeah, the, uh, the um, mall attack. Westgate uh, Mall, yeah. The, the same, similar um, stuff that, that happened there. They, they investigated who was armed, who wasn't armed, and basically no one was really armed. So uh, very easy to, to, to take over. So I don't think – you know, Trump says things in a way sometimes that uh, gets people's backs up, although I think he could literally say Apple and they would get their backs up. But – uh, I don't think it would be a terrible idea to say to, um, teachers, well, if you, uh, if you have a weapon and you want to bring it to school, you may, but we'd like you to go through the following program so that we know you won't, um, if there's something, you will think about civilians that are around you and won't just, and you fire. won't shoot little Tommy when he told you to go fuck yourself. Well, that too. Um, but I think people who have guns in general are quite responsible about having guns. I think, they take that quite seriously. I find those that are licensed to carry really care. Those that are not licensed to carry but have a legal gun, they don't care. But, at but, all. but just, but just, if you think about, if you got a, if you got a, a range and you, um, you know, you're on the range, and anyone sees you do something on the range which is unsafe. For example, if you put your finger in the trigger guard. Uh, without your weapon range, uh, you know, without being ready to fire and without your weapon facing down range, you will get lashed by the other people on the range. Like yeah. it's, it's people who have weapons generally take it very se- safety, very, very seriously. All right. This other myth I wanted to get to, which Jesus was great. You haven't asked the fucking question. I yet. haven't got to the question Jesus. yet. No. And um, the question, uh, it was about firing speed. So the speed at which, uh, well, not the, the firing speed, but the speed at which the, the, the bullet leaves the chamber. Oh God. So there was, there was this, if you remember that, uh, I do. no one could have, could have stopped the guy at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas because he had an AR-15. Which is 3,000 feet per second. Which goes at like 2,300 yeah. feet per second or something like that. At a nine mile only goes at 1,200 feet per second. <laughs> Therefore the guy, the, the resource officer who had a nine mile could never have stopped him. <laughs> Do you want to explain the stupidity behind that? I've been talking for quite a while. It's, it's, um, I don't even know where to start to unpack that one because mu- muzzle velocity, muzzle velocity just means it's the speed at which the bullet travels. So if the dude with his AR-15 is, is shooting at people 50 meters away, uh, at a, at 3000 feet per second, and there's a guy next to him who's shooting at the same people with the nine mil thousand two feet per second. The guy with the AF-15's bullets will get there faster. But but just classify what you mean by faster. Well, in, in we're talking here in milliseconds. Sure. The, the time difference. Apart between, no difference in being able to react. No. If if someone is shooting at you with an AR-15 or an AK-47 and you return fire with a 9mm, unless that person is capable of moving at 1,200 feet per second to dodge your bullet, it's… 
pretty much not yeah, going to make like, a, a difference. I mean, people think we live in the fucking matrix here, and everyone is the one. Yeah, yeah just, which is why it took me a while to actually comprehend what Jonathan was trying to tell me because of all the stupid things I've heard. That that one, but that one was on like MSNBC. I mean, that was a they actually did a graphic. Yeah, uh, what I don't understand, or actually I do understand, the people who are so opposed to guns know absolutely nothing about them. Well, That's why they have graphics like this, because you can dodge the 9mm, but not an AR-15, therefore ban AR-15. That's the inference that you get well, from such a graphic. This is the thing, and they go, we need to ban guns. Like, okay, um, who's going to save us? No, the police. Like, okay, you're not in essence against gun ownership. You're very happy that the government has all of them. You just don't want the average citizen to have guns because the government is so responsible with their farms. I mean, there was now a, th- a thing out in uh, Der Spiegel. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly yeah, in Germany. G- German. Where the Bundeswehr have lost like 75 assault rifles and machine guns since 2012 and like six, 65,000 rounds of ammo or something stupid. Now, as far as European nations go, I'm married to a German. The Germans are – ridiculously anal about making sure everything is squared away and and dealt with. If the German military is losing fully automatic firearms and they have no clue what happened to these things, if they are capable of, of being raided to this extent, then I'm sorry. There's no government in this this world that's, that's immune to this sort of nonsense. Well, except the Nazis and the Soviet Union, they were excellent at taking guns away. Very no, from excellent. people they didn't like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then sending if, them to the gulags. Oh, but if, I mean, if that's you were a member of the Nazi party, dude, you were styling. You could have as many guns as you want. They, they had no problem. But God forbid you were Jewish, a gypsy, or anything else they didn't like, or an enemy of the state, which is a pretty broad brush. Which is anyone that disagrees with them. Anyone that it's disagrees like a perfect social justice warrior state, actually, Nazi Germany. <laughs> well, before the great Soviet famine of 1931 to 33, where I think like six million people yep. didn't make it. Uh, Stalin was like, okay, we're collectivizing agriculture. That's my new five-year plan. Uh, Lenin's uh, national economic plan or new economic plan, that's passe now. Uh, but the first thing I need to do is I need to find a group to oppress that we really hate. Let's go for the kulaks because they're the rich farmers. Okay, they are barely outside of the poverty cycle themselves, but they're Ukrainian and they're outsiders. Let's, let's go nail them. Okay, wait, bit difficult. Let's first take their guns away. And then we nail them. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. And, uh. It's a dictator's handbook. You know, I as mean. Soon as, as soon as they take your, your free speech away and take your guns away, that's when you know you're in the shit. My, my two favorite countries in the world, and sarcastically now, is Honduras and El Salvador. Because <laughs> since 2003, they've had like a race to the top, overtaking each other every couple of years about who's the most murderous country in the world. Uh, El Salvador since 2014 is now the new number one. They overtook Honduras, who's actually had a declining homicide rate. Because everyone's dead. Everyone's dead. (laughs) Honduras had an assault weapons ban in 2003. They're like, no, there's too much murder here. Let's do an assault weapons ban, which is every, every variant of every military rifle in service anywhere you can't own. So this includes fully automatic stuff like M16s and variants of it like the AR-15, which is a variant, a semi-auto variant. So you can't have that because it's, you know, uh, it's a it's a military weapon according to Honduras. Then they're like, okay, there's still too much murder. So in 2007, they said you can own five guns in this country, but you can carry none of them outside of your house. So there's a complete ban on open and concealed carry as of 2007. Murder rate kept going up. Then they started deploying 
ridiculous amounts of police resources and dealing with government corruption and breaking the cartels. And from 2012, when that finally started paying off, the homicide rate started coming slowly down. But the fact is, in Honduras, gun ownership has actually been increasing despite all this. Legal registered guns. Okay. So they've gone from about two guns per hundred people to about 5.5 per hundred people. Uh, the, the, the two guns was in 2006. The 5.5 is now 2016. And the homicide rate has been declining from 2012 when this actually started going up. So there's no correlation. Yeah. The fact is, nobody in Honduras owns guns, but everyone's still getting shot to death. How does that work? It's a bit like Brazil, right? A, yeah. But Brazil's actually coming around to relaxing gun control. Oh, are they relaxing it They're now? They're relaxing it now. Because I, I don't know if you watched the two amazing Brazilian films called Elite Squad. No, I haven't. Based on true stories about Bop. Bop is their special task force that goes into the favelas and breaks cartels. And so in the first film, the Pope is coming, John Paul II, based on a true story, and he wants to live in this hotel near this favela. And uh, the president's like, we can't let Pope John Paul get woken up by gunshots in the middle of the night. So go to the favela, clear out the gangs. <clears throat> and Bob tried to do that, but the amount of weaponry that the people in the favela had at the time, the drug dealers, the gangsters, it, uh, <clears throat> they were on par with the, with the military at the end of the day. The military had M16 types, they had, uh, AK-47 shotguns, uh, zip guns, they just made up on their own account. So, you can have as much gun control as you want, you just, Literally cannot control it. No. Unless, unless you are a complete and utter totalitarian, totalitarian dictatorship. Brazil is interesting because it's one of the few countries I'm aware of where police helicopters get shot down by RPG sevens. Like. Them in Somalia. Yeah, yeah. Um, from the ground. From the ground. Like from, by citizens or by gangsters or whatever. So. Really? It's like you said. It's amazing. It's like, uh, yes, you can have gun control, but you, it doesn't mean you're going to control the guns. It's. Um, it's a it's a thing people don't want to swallow either because I think if we relax it, everything is going to go to hell in a handbasket overnight. Yeah, but that's with every moral panic though. If you if you if you allow marijuana, people are going to go on PCP and start you know shagging toilet seats in public or something. It's like no, dude, no. People like marijuana because <laughs> it chills them out. They'll just stick to it. It's not a gateway to something. Uh, if I have a pistol, it's not a gateway to a fucking RPG or a tank or to murdering people. Yeah, or to murdering people. It's going to be a gateway to an empty bank account. I know these things are fuck off expensive, man. Um, but yeah, no, it's not a gateway. Just quickly, uh, last thing, sort of, I think misconception because we did talk about the firing of a weapon, but. Uh, I just want to talk about select fire we spoke about, but if you were to say, as some uh, advocates for gun control do, they say, look, we don't want to take all your guns. What we want to do is we really just want to stop you from having semi-automatic weapons because nobody really, now this is, this is obviously an ignorant comment, but, but let's talk about why they would say nobody really needs a semi-automatic weapon. You don't need to shoot multiple bullets in a short period of time. Um, unless you're doing something nefarious, obviously, would be their, their argument. Um, can you just explain which weapons would suddenly become uh, illegal if you were to ban all semi-automatic guns? Almost everything outside of bolt-action rifles and uh, manuals, sort of over and or side-by-side shotguns. That's it. And muskets. And muskets. And flintlocks. And cannons. 
And yeah, that's about it, really. So you can have, have a cannon. You can have a cannon. That's pretty cool. That's not, that's not semi-automatic. Yeah. That's manual. So, so just explain the concept because there's a lot of these terms and people, you know, we've already discussed um, what's meant by an assault rifle, an assault weapon. Uh, there's a lot of terms and people don't seem to understand these terms very well. So semi-automatic means what? Okay, I'll just do a quick recap quickly while we're going. Yeah. So assault weapon is a cosme- cosmetic nonsense term made up by Democrats. That doesn't exist. Assault rifle is... So no le- gun company manufactures assault weapons? No. Assault rifle is a legitimate definition for a weapon that shoots an intermediate cartridge, intermediate being something like 5.56 NATO or the AK caliber, the 7.62x39, and it has select fire capability, meaning full, fully automatic or burst fire, which means that if you keep the trigger squeezed in or pressed in, it's going to either keep on firing or it's going to shoot three rounds in short succession, whatever the burst is. Semi-automatic means that for every squeeze of the trigger, the weapon is going to fire a shot. So One shot. One shot. And then you will have to release the trigger Yes. and press it again to fire another shot. That's it. But the semi-automatic action is that when you fire that one shot – the gun bolt sort of moves backwards, and as it comes back forwards, it picks up another bullet. So it's, right. it's ready to go. Yes. That's all that semi-automatic means. Yes, that's basically it. It reloads itself every time you press sure. trigger. Yeah. In, revolvers are technically are semi-automatic. semi-automatic mm. because every time you – if it's a double action, every time you squeeze the trigger, it the cylinder is going to rotate and mm-hmm. present a new cartridge ready to be fine. Yeah. So – so if you were to ban, let's, I mean, the United States has something like 350 million guns. It was 180 um, like three months ago, and I told you it was, you said 150. No, no, I went and checked it. it oh, it, good. It's, so more than, right. it's more than the population. So, yeah. on, so, uh, so on, in public, Jonathan, Ramon, say that I was right. Ramon, you have been correct on one thing in your life, and it's this. Um, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. So so point is, is there, 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 there are hundreds of millions of guns in the United States. Um, if they ban semi-automatic, pretty much all of them, except for the rifles, would become illegal. Yeah. What do you <coughs> – you know, the Americans um, have the Second Amendment, which is based on being able to not only protect yourself, but being able to rise up in a militia against the government should the government become uh, tyrannical. Yeah. Um, I, I think – you know, it's not written into our laws or anything, but the, the the concept would be similar. What do you make of people who say, "Well, you can't rise up against an F-16"? You know, you you can't rise up against uh, two words. Yeah, Viet Cong. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. No, that's actually not a bad analogy. Um, people have this constant misconception about the origins of the Second Amendment. For mm. example, um, when the colonies formed a federal republic. You can. There was a lot of internal dissent about how this is supposed to work because, on the one hand, there was provision for a standing army. They've just basically finished the war with Britain. Many of the colonists were of the opinion that standing armies are just for oppression. They serve no purpose. And there was a big debate, and then you got the Federalist Papers out of it, which is a very interesting bit of reading to do. And there was a constant back and forth. So in order to get the Constitution ratified, it was amended with certain things, one of them being the Second Amendment, in which the concession made being um, for the security – something about – for the security of a free state, 
Uh, a well-regulated militia, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall yeah. not be infringed. And everyone focuses on the well-regulated militia. The well-regulated mm. militia refers to the people, all of them. Yeah. The people are the militia. And there are militias in the U.S. There are militias, but in essence, every single person who's of legal age is technically, according to the Constitution's interpretation as it was written, part of the militia. So to prevent – or rather to – appease those who were against the ratification of the Constitution as it was written and for the Federal Republic to have its own army, say, listen, we'll make sure you're not oppressed by this army because everyone will have the right to keep and bear arms and come in, uh, rise up against, yeah. you know, the United States in the event that the people will become oppressed. So, And th and that's never changed because it was, it was a good amendment. It still is. And that's an excellent amendment. And how many cases have we had of an inferior population All over, the time. overthrowing? Ramon, you know, Viet Cong, Ramon says, but more recently, the, the reason why the Americans are unable to win in Afghanistan, they're still there. The reason why essentially Iraq is not under control is because you can have as many F-16s and missiles and all these and things tanks. as you like. And at the end of the day, when you want to conquer individuals in a community, it becomes urban warfare. And urban warfare is a completely different game. Um, and you you can't win with those types of things unless you want to kill everyone. And then yeah. what would be the purpose? Kill everyone and destroy everything. Yeah. Um, so then you can nuke them, sure. But then you wouldn't have a country left. So that would be kind of purposeless. What would and, be the point? and there are examples even in America. There's something called the Whiskey Rebellion in the U.S. Uh, late 1700s, uh, I think it was George Washington imposes a, a tax on uh, whiskey. And the farmers who made their own whiskey um, decide that this this isn't uh, they don't want to pay this tax right tax taxation is theft and um, they um, they they rose up now the government in that instance actually ultimately won the battle but the the legacy part of the legacy from this was that the government learned that the way to do things was not to impose things against their populace's will. No. Um, and that tax fell away. Ultimately. Yeah, I mean, it didn't stop them from doing prohibition and all sorts of other shit. Sure. Um, yeah, you can go ahead. We'll wait for you. Okay, no, I just you, need to... Uh, you, you, I overdid it with the water. No, go, go, go. Yeah, we can... I'm tired of Jonathan, but I can speak to him for two minutes. Okay, no, because... Um, <laughs> I'll be right back. It's yeah. okay. All right, you go. Don't fight with me again, Ramon. We'll have one of those like people will get afraid that the podcast is shutting down. It's all over. Yeah, because we disagree. Oh, so if you are listening, yeah, Hion's coming back. Um, last week we were on Ronaldo Hosts' show mm. um, on YouTube, so you must check it out. And that will be our podcast next week. So you can check it out on his YouTube channel, or it'll be our podcast. Next yeah, week. In, in, yeah. So there might be a repeat if you listen to both. But on video, it's quite nice because you actually see what it would look like. And a lot of people wanted to have sex with me on the live stream. Yeah, I'm never comments. going to get over this. <laughs> if you watch, if you follow the live chat, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of people who want to sleep with Ramon. So, uh, well, they also want his voice. And he gives you the formula to getting his voice at the end of the show. So well right. worth listening to. So that's, that's your, that's your clickbait. Uh, you have to go listen all the way to the end to find out how to get the sexy, rascally voice. <laughs> There you go. That's it. You've got to, you've just got to do that. We discussed some interesting topics as well. So, uh, three main topics. Yeah. Uh, so hate speech, white privilege, and BE. And Jonathan and I 
destroyed. <laughs> destroyed. Yeah, we destroyed. We should clip the video. But uh, no, we had a good conversation. And follow Ronaldo Hoes. Uh, he calls himself an extreme centrist. I disagree with that. Uh, I think he's got, he's a social democrat with nuanced views about yeah. different things. And um, he's a good interlocutor. Yes. Which is rare. Very reasonable. Very reasonable. And, um, yeah, just 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 fair about how he puts his points across, and when he disagrees, he goes, "Okay, cool. I I see what you're saying, but I disagree." It's a funny thing that, um, yeah. so which so. should happen more in public. So yeah, so that's that video, and that will be a podcast next week. But Gideon is back, and <clears throat> the question I have for you, Gideon, and I've completely forgotten what it was. Um. I have completely forgotten what Come it was. Come on, Ramon. You're joking. You're joking. You talked right. about the whiskey rebellion. Let's, let's, be, let's, be, uh, let's be a bit practical. We're coming to the end of the podcast. And uh, if someone's listening to this and uh, they still have questions about guns, they still feel, look, you guys, you're all biased. You clearly love guns. It's true. Um, and uh, yeah, this is a biased show. It always has been. <laughs> and I, I, I still disagree with you. I still think guns are, are a terrible evil. Or I, I, one of the points I, I, I have. Uh, what if? What kind of information have you got on your website that they can they can access? I've written so much nonsense uh, over the years. <laughs> it's not a good word to use. It's going to be thrown back at you. It's called propaganda. Oh, sorry, I've written so much propaganda. Uh, I was accused recently of spreading hysterical. Anti-government propaganda, which I've now added as like my blurb on my website as a badge of honor because like, you know, I'd rather spread hysterical anti-government anything before I spread pro-government anything because I'm I'm not entirely an anarchist. I'm not. Yeah. You're not as crazy as Ramon. Yeah. But uh, I definitely think there's room to to push back. So the website's relatively easy to navigate. If you go onto paratus.info, there's a tab that you can select that says, what topic would you like to read about? Practical advice. General discussion, mm. uh, there's one that says firearm rights. And there's a whole lot of stuff on there. I mean, the one myth we slayed was this thing that was in carte blanche again last night about you are four times as likely to be uh, have your own weapon used against you as you are to use it successfully, just, which uh, is I mean, nonsense. just anecdotally, I've been a victim of a house robbery three times. And if my father didn't carry... <laughs> Uh, maybe I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> Anecdotally, to, to just assume that your farm is used against you is the biggest load of shit. So just tell us how you slayed that myth. Well, the guy who slayed it on my behalf uh, got in touch with Anthony Altbecker, who actually wrote the original source material where this myth was then incorrectly pulled from. And he said, look, I don't know why these people are using my – and Anthony is not pro-gun, okay? Not mm. by a long shot. And he said, look, I'm a researcher. I don't know why they've pulled this. If you look at my original material, it says the the conclusions of the study militate against drawing the conclusion that you are more likely to have your farm used against you in self-defense than you are to use it successfully. He he found no evidence for that whatsoever. And then somehow that got twisted into – So, sorry, that that statistic is completely false. Completely false. All right. And, yeah, I I mean just – when I hear a statistic like that, I, I, I kind of, it seems illogical to me anyway, because if someone's using your gun against you, what do you think they were going to do anyway in the first place? Like, so, so let's go into the house, break in, and then we'll arm ourselves should we find a gun. Well, but of the, of also, the if, if the purpose, if ultimately the end goal is to shoot you, you know, is to harm you, 
Um, then you're going to get harmed. Uh, you know, no, but they already have no weapons g- coming in. Sure, sure. They're not going into a house to rob it and then get armed at the same time. And That's then, ridiculous. and then, and then kill someone they didn't plan to kill or, yeah. or, or commit violence they didn't plan to commit. Um, just quick practical stuff. Uh, someone's decided, okay, they buy it. South Africa is quite a violent country. They don't want to partake in the violence, but they do want to be able to protect themselves should someone uh, come into their house one night and want to harm them or their family. Uh, Give us a quick uh, 60-second rundown on, on how they go about getting a firearm. Okay, getting a firearm, you need to first get your competency out the way. So you get competencies for handguns, shotguns, manual rifle, and then self-loading rifle. You can do all four of them. You can pick which one you want. It, it, it's up to you. So you need to get an accredited training provider, which you can either get that on the Professional Farms Training Council's website they have a list of accredited training providers that you can in, you can go find one in your area. You do the required training, which is open book, closed book, and practical. You get a certificate from them that says you've completed the training. You take that certificate with the required documentation to your designated farms officer at your local police station, and you apply for your competency certificate. While you are waiting for that, that's going to take about three months, you can go pick a farm that you want. You can purchase it. You can't go home with it. It has to stay at the dealership. You can install the required safe that has to be bolted either to the wall or floor of your house. And you can start working on your motivation letter, which you will need to add to. Why do you want the gun? Uh, You're probably not going to do so well if you say, oh, I live in a slightly dodgy area. But there are lots of templates out there in organizations like Gun Owners of South Africa who help people do these things if they struggle. Uh, The first one's more intimidating than the second one. Yeah. Then when you have your competency certificate and you've got all the other documents squared away, you can immediately apply for your license. And that should also take about three months. Get the license card printed. As soon as you pick that up from your police station, you can go and get your gun. Yeah. And cool. it bears repeating that the first one's the most not difficult. It's it's new. Uh, I was I phoned Gideon every three days. Gideon, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, I've been waiting four months for my competency. And he's like, no, it's fine. It, it happens. But the first one's the most difficult. They yeah. thought you were incompetent. That's the problem. No, <laughs> those fucks were incompetent with my application. The first one's the most difficult and the most taxing. And the DFO sometimes is a bit rude. The designated firearms officer at the police station might be a bit rude and not explain what it means. Or you might get a really, I've got an awesome one. Oh, you might get an awesome. She, mine, mine, is, mine, was, mine was okay, except that he called me and I got your license. I rushed there and it's someone else entirely. Like someone else's license hey, entirely. About all, all the white boys look the all same. The, as I said, do you think all whites look the same? He didn't answer that. I was like, taken him to the Human Rights Commission. But, no, joke. Um, but really, join Gun Owners SA, Gideon, uh, you're a part of that. Really helpful to organization. you got a big Facebook page for Gun Owners SA. Facebook pages have been really, really helpful. Uh, gun site is a very good one yep. for any question relating to guns. And the gun community on Facebook is really active and really helpful to a large degree. I see the same question posted five times in one day on some forum and people are like, we answered it. Here's the link to the previous answer. And it's, it's pretty, it's, it's, um, yeah, the guy, I was actually quite surprised how nice the gun community well, was. Oh, there was such a big community in the first place. Well, the interesting thing is that I suppose th- adversity sometimes push people a bit closer together. And it's also a group of enthusiasts. So it's not just people go on, look, we hit the self-defense angle with guns quite heavily because yeah. that's the first and, and most practical angle. 
And everyone knows about hunting, but there's a very vibrant and lively sports shooting community, collecting community, people who just like the stuff as, as others are enthusiastic about cars or collecting watches or collecting stamps. mad magazine or stamps. Yeah. And it's, it's really a, a population subgroup or a sub community. And with all the, the trade offs and attributes of those communities. Sure. Um, yeah, and and if you like scared of guns, I mean, go to go to gun shows. There's some happening fairly often. Go to a shooting range, ask the shooting instructor how to use a gun properly, um, and all these resources are available to you. It costs a bit of money, sure, but I mean, if you're really interested, for free. yeah, well, the advice is for free. That's for sure. The bullets aren't, <laughs> um, but really, I mean, if you if you're afraid of guns, I mean, just. Hit up Gideon. He will explain to you how things work. I'm, I'm a lot want. nicer in real life. My online persona is very abrasive, but mostly because I just I just don't do well with the internet. Uh, I do spectacularly well. Yeah, you do. If I say so myself. Jonathan used to do well, but so he's, been, on, he's been stuck on 17,000 followers for like three years now. I'm about to hit 20. Fuck you. <laughs> just, just, just for that, you can all go follow me at Jonathan underscore wit. Uh, should we wrap it up, folks? Um... Uh, on your side, Hedion, anything you wish to discuss? Because I forgot. Well, look, I just want to add that there's a whole bunch of myths out there about uh, gun ownership and statistics and nonsense. And the anti-gun lobby in this country is GFSA, Gun Free South Africa, who we spoke about last time briefly. I would just like to point out that they enjoy no are popular they still, Are they still funded by the same people who fund equal education? They are, but mm. uh, their budget got cut last year by 100K. Oh, good. Uh, that was I saw that on the OSF Foundation's site uh, about two weeks ago. That, mm. that well, I enjoy that uh, Open Society Foundation's funds Africa Check and Gun Free SA. Africa Check to Gun Free SA to task for a misleading scheme. Yeah, <laughs> so, you, you know, they are the anti-gun lobby. They have no membership base. They have no popular support. They are. They really don't. They're pretty much ninety percent foreign funded. If you start breaking down who their donors are. And my big question to people was like, why are we allowing a foreign-funded NGO to subvert our democratic rights in this country by by allowing them this much airtime and influence? Not that they have as much anymore. It's been waning since about 2012, big time. So maybe I'm I'm steel manning them a bit more than they are in in, in reality, but. Yeah. Uh, I did a whole research project on them last year. It's also on the website for people who are curious about mm. it. And if you think I'm talking bullshit, please tell me. I mean, I like people correcting me where I go wrong. Nothing I write's perfect, but I'm I'm not gonna, you know, j- just don't call me nasty things that hurts my feelings, and I go crying. No, we don't give a shit about your feelings. Facts <laughs> <laughs> right. don't care about your feelings. Uh, right, that's that's it thank you very much. Thank you, week. sir. Uh, follow him on. At Paratus. Uh, at Paratus 2014. Paratus um, 2014. Because the original one was taken by a miscreant. Motherfucker. Yeah. All right. And you can follow Ramon at Roman Kabanek. Uh, and don't send me nudes on DM, please. Yeah, he's had too many of those recently. Unless you're hot. I was about to send <laughs> you female. some when, I, when we finish here. Sorry. I, I he wants all the dick pics you can provide. <laughs> all of them. Just send them, send them along. Send them along. Uh, you can uh, just send them to him, no one else, on this podcast. 
if you would like to uh, have an opportunity to sleep with Ramon, he will consider anyone who donates to Patreon. Um, no guarantees, but uh, you can find us on Patreon and give us donations I've there. I've got a guy I'm not afraid to use it against rapists. <laughs> can I get my mug now? <laughs> uh, we're on, uh, we're on, I'm cutting you both off. We're on Facebook, um, and you can find us there, both a normal page and a group where we discuss a lot of the issues, uh, which happen on the show and which are happening in general. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. This is cliffcentral.com.